there's a common thread with successful individuals. They've worked hard, but they've also made hundreds, if not thousands of mistakes. What if you could learn from their mistakes without any consequences? What if you could hear from talented individuals who have achieved great success in their given field? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to shorten your learning curve, learn from the best, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. I'm your host, Mike Perry, and welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Perry, and today we're going to be talking about strength and conditioning for BJJ. Now, if you spend any amount of time on Facebook or these internet forums, you're going to see people giving their advice on strength and conditioning. Most of these people, if we're being brutally honest, don't have any clue what they're talking about, right? They just basically tell you what they do or what their buddies do, and then they say, well, this is good for everybody. Um, The goal of today's podcast is to give you some insight on how you should approach strength and conditioning as a whole for you. Now, each individual needs different things, right? So everybody's not going to be able to do powerlifting for BJJ. Everybody's not going to be able to do Olympic lifting for BJJ. It's just, it's not going to happen. So first of all, the best program, to be honest, is the one that is tailored for you. And that's why I highly recommend working with an experienced coach that understands the sport, that understands human movement, that understands how to gradually build your body up to be more resilient and conditioned. So first of all, that is the number one thing that I would highly recommend. In addition to that, we need to talk about injuries and medical advice. So many people ask for this stuff on the internet. Hey, I tore my ACL. What should I do? You should go to a doctor. Hey, I tore my adductor. You should go to a doctor. Hey, I just had surgery. What should I do? You should talk to a physical therapist. So stop asking for medical advice or rehab advice on the internet, guys. It's it's a waste of time. And sure, could you get a little bit of good information? Yes, but guys, it's the freaking internet. Anybody can put out information. Just like you're listening to me right now. You could listen to me. You could listen to my advice and think, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. Or you could say, you know what? This guy's an idiot. Either way, it doesn't matter. We all have the ability to put out content and, and deliver information. But I encourage you to Reach out to the medical professionals when it's time and reach out to people that you trust, that have had experience and that um, have been in the trenches for years. So with that being said, let's dive right into uh, strength and conditioning for for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So the first thing I want to talk about is assessments. Um, Someone asked me on Facebook, hey, what's the best type of assessment for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? So here's what I do. So I'm an FMS guy. If you know me, I work for Functional Movement Systems and I'm a huge fan of their system. I run everybody through the FMS and the motor control screens that go along with the FMS, but I also dig a little bit deeper. I look at ankle mobility, um, internal and external hip rotation. We look at the Thomas test, modified Thomas test. We look at the thoracic spine, shoulder extension, shoulder flexion, uh, shoulder internal and external rotation. We look at the cervical spine, uh, range of motion wise. And what I'm trying to do is look at the pieces of the body, but also look at the parts as well, because I think you need to look at both if you really want to do a nice job for for grapplers or combat athletes. And the reason why I dig a little bit deeper for combat athletes is because they simply demand more out of their body than the average person. If you're just going to the gym and you're doing goblet squats, lunges, inverted rows, and push-ups, 
you probably don't need to spend a ton of time on your movement quality. As long as you cover the minimums, you're gonna do pretty well. But from an assessment standpoint, I like to dig a little bit deeper um, simply because it's a sport that demands so much of your body. So I think it, it's worth just taking an extra 10 or 15 minutes to see what else is going on. So those are the basic assessments that I use. Again, FMS, the, uh, the motor control screens, upper body and lower body motor control screens. And then I do dig a little bit deeper and look at uh, you know various joints and range of motion, et cetera. In addition to that, um, we always want to talk about injury history, right? Because it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and you're going to get injured. So understanding their injury history is also going to give you some insight as to where they're at. And as far as other assessments go, like performance assessments, um, I'll be honest with you, for most grapplers that I work with, we don't do performance assessments at first. Why? Because a lot of the times they move like crap. And if you move like crap, your performance assessment isn't going to be the best baseline. So ideally what I try to do is, you know, get them moving a little bit better, get their technique dialed in and then see what they're capable of. Because um, again, I need to get you moving well first and I need to get you as healthy as possible before we do all of this performance stuff. So that, that's the basics on assessments that I use. And, and there's a bunch of other ways to do it, guys, but that's just simply um, what I do. The information that you get from the assessment should actually dictate your warm-up, right? So if someone's got poor ankle mobility, then their warm-up is going to consist of improving ankle mobility, specifically ankle dorsiflexion. So literally, the assessment gives you insight on the warm-up. Now, what if you move well? What if you don't have any limitations from a joint standpoint, um, you need to do something that is going to get your body um, heated up pretty quickly. And there's a couple different ways to do that. What I like to do personally, when I'm moving pretty well, I just do 10 to 15 minutes of get-ups alternating on each side. And for me, that's a really good warm-up. Now, if you're at the gym at your PJJ school, you're not going to be doing 10 to 15 minutes of alternating get-ups. You're probably going to be doing the basics of like what every BJJ class does, right? Forward rolls, backward rolls, monkey rolls, shrimping, um, skips. I mean, let's be honest, the warm-ups in uh, BJJ schools are pretty silly, but it is what it is. So when it comes to prepping for your strength and conditioning, do something that's going to demand your attention and do something that takes effort, right? If you move well, hit some get-ups or do a whole bunch of different medicine ball throw variations to heat yourself up. You can jump rope. You can even use the ladder drill to get your feet moving, to, to increase your core temperature, to increase foot speed. There's a bunch of different ways to do it, but pick something that is going to demand your attention for 10 to 15 minutes and pick something that's going to make you sweat, that's going to make you pay attention, and that is going to make you focus. Because you can either be deliberate with your prep or you can just lackadaisically go through and you know foam roll and scroll the internet and, and do everything else. But if you want to truly prepare your body, you need to do it with intent. So that's what I recommend from a, uh, a warm-up standpoint. Um, Let's, let's talk a little bit about um, managing injuries as well, because that is going to be a significant part of, of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is just managing the injuries. Guys, tweaks and twinges are going to happen. Um, what I recommend is if you do have an injury, seek out the advice of a medical professional and get insight from them. Also, seek out the advice of a good strength and conditioning coach and seek out the advice of them. They can give you insight as to what would be appropriate in the meantime. A lot of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coaches don't understand injuries in rehab, so 
a lot of the advice that you may get from them, and, and, and this is with all due respect, is just go light. Well, we know how that goes, right? Just flow roll. Well, that, that never really happens. It, it turns into two people trying to murder one another. So as far as managing injuries, I think that you should just spend a little bit of time and a little bit of money on hiring someone to give you some insight. And then as you start to get back on the mats or even stay on the mats, you're just going to be a little bit safer. In addition to that, I think that when you are grappling four to six days a week, I think you should pick what days you're going to go harder and what days you're going to go easier. Um, simply because if you're trying to go hard five days a week, you will get injured, you will get burnt out, and you're not going to want to grapple as much. So I would actually just basically choose like a high, medium, or low sort of um, scale or, or oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, wave loading, right? You're just going to have a, a hard day, and maybe the hard day is followed by like a lighter day, and then followed by a medium day, rinse and repeat. So I, I encourage you to pick and choose what days you're really going to go hard. Don't go hard all the time because you will get injured, okay? And also, with that being said, do not listen to the advice of the best in the world. And, and I mean this with all due respect. Yes, listen to their advice on staying on the mats and techniques and, and et cetera. But when it comes to managing injuries and, and this and that, they've already been there. They're already the best, right? They are going to be successful despite what else they're doing. So when it comes to managing injuries, don't listen to those guys. They don't know what they're talking about nine times out of 10. Don't get me wrong. They're probably the best in the world. But if I need to re rehab my knee, I'm not listening to those guys. It's the same thing as if I uh, if I roll my ankle, I'm not going to go and, and look at LeBron James's Instagram and go, okay, this is where I'm going to get my content from. So just guys, listen to the professionals. Stay in your lane and listen to the professionals. And injuries happen but there are ways to work with and around those injuries. And, and I will say this, taking Advil every morning, getting cortisone shots, kinesio tape, braces, a boatload of biofreeze. Guys, that's not managing injuries. That's putting, that's just managing symptoms, right? So you probably don't have a ibuprofen deficiency. You probably don't have a biofreeze deficiency, right? Guys, those are just band-aids. If you really want to heal up and be resilient, you have to fix the way you move and you have to get to the to the bottom of things. So stop, stop wasting your time and stop doing the silly things that you think are making you better when in actuality you're just masking the symptoms with, with um, anti-inflammatories and, and um, steroids and, and whatever else you use, right? So just be smart with that. Um, Let's talk about designing a program for an athlete. Um, the first thing I always try to focus on is filling gaps and, and really developing their overall general physical preparedness or GPP. Um, if you don't know what that is, um, don't worry about it. You can just Google GPP and you get some basic insight. But really what we're trying to do with GPP is we're trying to build as many athletic qualities as we can. Um, and it's not at the same time, right? What I would start off with is one, movement quality. Make sure that you're moving well, that you're managing you know, your injuries and that you're as healthy as possible. And then right away, the two things I would focus on are one, strength training, and then two, building the aerobic, uh, building your aerobic engine. Why? Um, there's this um, concept, if you will, of it's called residual of training modalities or detraining effects. If you look at the research done um, in Russian sports science and, and a lot of the other sports science pioneers, Tudor Bampa, um, 
a lot of these other guys, block periodization, there's some really good insight, but you can maintain your strength and your aerobic, uh, your aerobic qualities for about a month. So when you're designing a program, why wouldn't you focus on the things that stick around for the longest, right? So focus on your strength, focus on your aerobic conditioning. And then after that, you can start to add in things like power production and glycolytic conditioning and muscular endurance and stuff like that. So start off by by building the qualities that will allow you to stay on the mats, but but have focus on those qualities that are gonna stick around the longest. So that's, that's what I would focus on. With that being said, what's the best exercises? And the answer is it depends, right? So each person is going to have different things that they need to focus on. But I will say this, focus on the basics. You should be doing some sort of squat pattern. It could be a bodyweight squat, it could be a goblet squat, it could be a front squat, back squat, zercher squat. I don't care. Make sure you're doing some sort of squat that is appropriate for you where you're currently at. Same thing goes for uh, split, squat, split squats or split stance training. Make sure you're getting some sort of split squat, forward lunge, reverse lunge, uh, rear foot elevated split squat into your programming. And then lastly, make sure that you're getting in some sort of single leg training. I will say that single leg training from a movement standpoint, from a coordination standpoint, and from a motor control standpoint is probably the hardest to, to learn. But I will also say that once you learn how to do that, it's probably gonna be a fantastic return on your investment. And then when it comes to upper body, um, make sure that you're doing your vertical pushing and your horizontal pushing. So what do I mean by that? Horizontal pushing, you're doing your push-ups, you're doing your dumbbell presses, your floor presses, your Swiss bar presses, your bench presses, um, whatever works. As far as overhead presses, I like to do a lot of landmine variations. Are they a true overhead press? Not really, but it's a nice way to eventually bridge the gap to true overhead work. So if you are gonna actually do overhead work, I, I recommend starting with the horizontal presses, then go to landmine presses, which I consider more of like a 45 degree or diagonal press, and then eventually move into overhead pressing. And again, with that being said, when you do overhead work, just pay attention. I'm a huge fan of, of kettlebell presses. It's probably one of the safest ways to get a load overhead. You can do single arm kettlebell presses, you can do seesaw presses, you can do bottoms up presses. Those are probably my favorite overhead presses for athletes. So highly recommend you throw those into your training program. And when it comes to pulling, make sure that you're hitting a lot of pulling. I, I would actually argue that most grapplers need more pulling than pushing. And, and there's arguments about people saying you don't need that or you don't need this. But if you look at the overall posture of grappling, it is, essentially the fetal position, especially if you're in guard, right? You're, you're in this sort of global spinal flexion. Um, your chin tends to be tucked, your elbows are in. Um, you're basically curled up into a ball in, in various ways. So because of that, we wanna focus on the exercises that are gonna work on keeping you as healthy as possible. So if you're always stuck in that chronic sort of fetal position, adding in a lot of pulling a lot of thoracic mobility, a lot of hip mobility is gonna be incredibly beneficial. But I'm a huge fan of doing um, pull-up and chin-up variations. Um, I basically stick with the big three, overhand, um, neutral grip, and then reverse grip, which is a chin-up. And then from, a, from a, a pulling standpoint, from a horizontal pulling standpoint, we've got inverted rows, single arm rows, prone rows, 
alternating sumo rows, and then you can add in some fat grips to get a little bit of extra grip work. So that's some, uh, some other things to consider uh, focusing on. And then lastly, GPP from a conditioning standpoint, here's what I would really focus on. One, sled work. Pushing and dragging, those are gonna be huge for you. You're gonna focus on um, overall lower body muscular endurance. Um, you're gonna focus on strengthening your feet because you're applying force into the ground, and it's really easy on the body. So just getting getting some sled work in is going to be huge for you. In addition to that, I'm a huge fan of sideboard work, right? Why? Because we can just move laterally. We can start to strengthen those adductors a little bit and abductors. And again, try to bulletproof our body a little bit more. Groin injuries happen in jujitsu. And it's never a bad idea to do a little bit of extra work from a, uh, from a strength and conditioning standpoint. So I'm a huge fan of the sideboard. And then the basics, guys. If you can run, if you can run correctly with good skill, running's a, running is an option. If you're not a skilled runner, don't do it. There's always the airdyne bike. There's always the ski erg. There's always a rower. There's always a versa climber. Just develop as, as many qualities as you can early on. It doesn't need to be crazy. It doesn't need to be intense. Just develop those qualities and then you can kind of go from there. Um, spend quite amount of time, uh, quite a bit of amount of time on strength training. Why? Because that is probably going to be the best thing to keep you injury free and guys injuries aren't going to happen so there is not one thing that's going to keep you injury free but if you move well that's that's a step in the right direction and if you hit hit those major patterns and those major and you feel those major buckets from a strength and conditioning standpoint that's going to be good and honestly it's just you have to pay attention who you're training with and how hard you're training because that is just a a huge part of of being consistent on the mats so all right, let's talk about a few other things. Um, power production, right? So many people ask, what is the best way to improve power for, for grapplers? And first of all, if you're not strong, don't worry about power production, all right? It, it does not matter. Like if you can't get to the point where you could do, you know, 15 to 20 push-ups, a handful of pull-ups, maybe even just squat your body rate, squat your body weight for 10 reps and and maybe working towards a double bodyweight deadlift. Honestly, I, I don't think you need to focus on power production yet. Now, can you add in plyo drills for uh, force production for, um, not force production, for deceleration rather? Yes. For landing mechanics, yes. For getting the tissue to adapt, yes. But if you're, if you're not strong, honestly, I, I don't think you should be focusing on power production. But if you are at that point where you can actually move some weight, here are my options for power production. So if we're looking at lower body, right? Lower body bilateral power, I would say that my top three are going to be um, just body weight jumps, right? You can do a hurdle hop and a stick. That's one of my favorites. You can do box jumps. Um, you can do loaded dumbbell jumps, very, very light, of course. Um, kettlebell swings are a, a fantastic option. And if you do have the time to learn how to Olympic lift correctly, it can be a great option. But if you don't have the time to dial in your technique, you're not going to reap the benefits out of it, right? Guys, it, doing a crappy hang clean or power clean with 135 is not going to benefit you at all. So don't worry about that. 
When it comes to single leg power, I'm a huge fan of just doing um, lateral jumps, diagonal jumps, jump and stick, just working on that true single leg explosive power, but also having the ability to absorb force as well. And there's so many different ways you can do that, but I'm a huge fan of a simple, you know, side to side, lateral jumps, diagonal jumps. You could do forward, uh, single leg forward jumps, etc. It doesn't really matter. Just make sure that you understand more so how to land because that's super important. And as far as split stance goes, there's a couple different options uh, when it comes to split stance explosive work, but it's a little bit harder for people to understand because I would argue that it requires a bit more coordination. So, but um, I'm a huge fan of getting in like a split stance position. You're actually, it's not that 90-90 position where you're in a lunge, but you're going to be a little bit narrower and you're just working on, you know, it, I would say it's more of a hinge where you're actually loading into a hip hinge, but in a split stance, you're jumping, sticking the landing, etc. So those are simple ways to work on that split stance power. Uh, there's a bunch of other different ways that you, that you can use medicine balls. Um, you can do plyo step ups on a box. There's so many different ways to do it. But again, make sure that your technique is dialed in, make sure that you're strong and make sure that you can execute it correctly. From a set and rep standpoint, I would keep the sets and reps pretty low. So maybe you're doing three to five sets and maybe you're doing three to five reps and that's it. But when you're doing your power work, you have to do it with, with intent and with effort and you really have to try to move as quickly as possible. Um, remember, your goal is to improve power and if you're doing that at half effort or half speed, you're not gonna be, you're not gonna be really improving anything. So it does require a bit of effort. And then from an upper body standpoint, um, medicine ball work. Guys, I'm a huge fan of medicine ball work. Um, if you go on my Facebook page or our business's uh, Facebook page, which is Skill of Strength, um, and you just uh, look for, I believe it's called 22 Medicine Ball Drills. It's an awesome uh, little video that I put together that gives you just some options. Also, look at the work of Eric Cressy and all of his medicine ball work. I actually think he has like a med ball masterclass and guys, I'll be honest, anything from Eric is good. So follow Eric. He's the man. And I I look at his content quite a bit. Um, in addition to med ball work, plyometric push-ups, again, if you're strong, is, is a fantastic option. There are some row options where you can work on bilateral explosive pulling. And there are some sled options where you can work on single arm explosive pulling. So those are some basic options. But again, the basic set and rep scheme is probably more important than anything. Keep the reps low, keep the volume low, keep the intensity high, and that's gonna be a nice way to focus on power development in general. Um, with that being said, I think people misapply a lot of these power exercises and they try to use them for conditioning purposes. And this is why I actually do not like CrossFit for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I'm not bashing CrossFit. I just don't think it is appropriate for grapplers um, because grappling is chaotic and unplanned. When you're rolling hard, you don't know what's going to happen. That's where the injuries happen, right? Someone rolls up on your knee or lands on you a certain way, or maybe they hit a sub really, really quickly and you can't tap quick enough and then boom, you've got an injury. So um, I don't like chaos in the weight room. I like to focus on technique and a game plan. I don't want people to do wads. I don't want people to use Olympic lifting from a conditioning standpoint. I want people to 
focus on an actual plan. And, and what I mean by that is, here's how I program guys. Warm up, that's, my, that's where I start everybody. Um, a block, depending on the person, you're gonna do power. If, if you're not strong, you're not gonna do power, you're just gonna lift. So I usually do an A block and a B block, maybe a C block for lifting. And then I get into some energy system development and then I go from there. That's, that's the simple recipe. I don't try to blur things. If I want someone to get in the best shape of their life from a conditioning standpoint, I'm not gonna be using barbell complexes and I'm not gonna be doing high rep snatches. I'm gonna be doing bike intervals. I'm gonna have them doing sprint intervals. I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna have them do work on the rower, work with some battling ropes. That's more for localized muscular endurance, some kettlebell work. Um, but I don't like to blend it all together because if you blend everything together, you never get really powerful, you never get really strong, and you never really optimize your conditioning. You're just kind of blending it all together. Um, it's the equivalent of a boot camp, right? You come in, you do a bunch of stuff, you get your butt kicked, and then you leave. So I don't like CrossFit for that reason. But he, with that being said, if it's working for you and you're injury-free, cool, go for it and do it. But um, for the average individual, I, do, I don't think it's good. So... Let's talk about kettlebell training. Um, shameless plug here. Um, I do have my kettlebell essentials DVD available on BJJ Fanatics. Uh, that is always available and you can get a great deal on it. It was just on sale for like 18 bucks or something like that. But the biggie that's coming out is I actually filmed a, a DVD with Pavel Satsulin and John Spazano, who are, are both friends of mine. Pavel, if you don't know who Pavel is, well, just Google Pavel Satsulin and you will see what he's brought to the table from a strength and conditioning standpoint. The guy is an absolute freaking genius. And every time I spend time with him, I realize I'm just an idiot. And then my buddy, John Spazano, who is an accomplished martial artist, great kettlebell coach, just great overall guy. We have this, uh, this product coming out through BJJ Fanatics and effective uh, strength and conditioning called Kettlebell Strong First. And it should be, it should be coming out relatively soon. I don't have a date, but Guys, this is a pretty awesome product, and I'm, I'm pretty damn proud of it. But kettlebells for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, love it. I actually would say that if you could only use one modality for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it would be kettlebells. But here's the problem. They require skill. They require time. And... It's something that you can't just dive into. Like I can put anybody on a bike and have them do bike sprints and they're going to be all right. But I can't say to someone, hey, we're going to be doing uh, 30 minutes of snatches on the minute. Like that, that's just not going to work for most people because they, they're not going to get a training effect when they don't have quality technique, right? So if you don't take the time to learn to use kettlebells correctly, they're not going to be useful for you. They're just simply not. There are better and more efficient ways. If you want to murder yourself on a bike, do some bike sprints. Cool. Now, I will say this. When you learn, when you approach kettlebell training like a martial art, right? Think of it as your belt system. Everybody's going to start off with a white belt. Then they're going to go to, go to blue, purple, brown, black, right? You have to approach it that way. You're not going to be good with kettlebells right away. And you're not going to get a huge training effect with kettlebells right away. But if you do take the time to learn how to use kettlebells correctly, I actually would argue that they're probably the best tool. Now, you have to have good programming as well, and, and you have to know what you're doing. But uh, I'm, I'm honestly just a huge fan of kettlebell training. You can focus on, obviously, developing ridiculous grip strength. Um, if you've ever 
maybe you haven't, but if you've ever actually rolled with someone that has really good grip, it's obnoxious. It is brutal to deal with. And and if you get to the point where you can swing a heavy kettlebell for for multiple reps and and for let's say 30 minutes. Here's a perfect example. I'm a big fan of on the minute work, right? Maybe, you know, doing one arm swings on the minute for X amount of minutes. And if you can get to the point where let's say you can swing a kettlebell that is half your body weight for five reps on the minute on the right, five mep, five reps on the minute um, on the left and do that for 20 to 30 minutes and you never lose power and that kettlebell's floating, your grip is going to be freaking ridiculous. But it's going to take time to get to that standard of that half body weight, right? It's just going to take time. But if you take the time, you're going to develop a ridiculous grip, not to mention crazy, crazy strong backside, um, shoulder stability, you name it. So if you do take the time to learn how to train with kettlebells, they're probably the best thing out there. Um, you can develop really good strength endurance, which is probably one of the most important qualities in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, but there's just a handful of exercises that are going to give you such a great return on investment. And I'm actually in the process of developing a couple different products, um, eBooks about that. So that'll come out at a later date, but again, you got to learn how to use them. And, um, if you are in the, uh, the new England area and you want to learn how to train with kettlebells, uh, shoot me a message and we'll, um, we'll, we'll get you set up. I'm actually going to hopefully be putting together some seminars um, in the summer specifically for combat athletes uh, wanting to focus on kettlebell training and mobility because that's that's honestly those two things. If you, if you dial those in, it's going to be huge. So big fan of kettlebells. Um, again, if you're looking to train with kettlebells, uh, I would find someone that has experience. Check out uh, strongfirst.com. I am a, a senior instructor with Strongfirst and a lot of my colleagues and a lot of the instructors are just top notch. Not only are they great instructors, but they're really, really good people. So I highly recommend that. So overall, intelligent strength and conditioning for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is, is not that different from intelligent strength and conditioning from other sports. It really isn't. Now, they, there are some unique components. And I would actually say that probably the most unique component of of working with grapplers is it's a combat sport, right? It's, it's not supposed to tickle. I mean, you're in there, if you're, you're rolling hard and you're sparring, even drilling, like you're going to get beat up. It's just the nature of it. If, if you're soft, don't do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Like, don't even think about it. If you are concerned about getting bruises and, you know, black eyes and cuts and cauliflower ear, like guys, just don't do it. Because if, if you want to be soft, don't do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Find find another sport, and and I'm not saying that you're you're a wimp. I'm just saying if you if you want to do it, just be be prepared to uh, to get your butt kicked for a while, and you got to be tough. And if you're not, you won't last. It's as simple as that. There's a reason why uh, the turnover rate at at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu schools is super super high because it's freaking hard. It's really really hard. Um, but if you stick with it, in my opinion, it's it's incredibly rewarding. And some of the relationships that you develop on the mat and some of the people that you meet um, are they'll be your friends for life right there's something to be said about getting on the mats and you know training with someone where you're trying to murder each other and then after you know <laughs> giving each other a hug and saying dude that was awesome um, uh, specifically uh, one, one of my old training partners I, I haven't seen him in a while his name is Greg Sinelli um, American Patriot BJJ this guy's a stud man he's a you know he's a he's a veteran he's a firefighter 
one of the freaking nicest guys in the world. And man, we used to beat the bag out of each other. We used to just go at it. And then after we give each other a hug, we share a smile and, and just we move on. And, and those are the types of scenarios those are the types of relationships that you bond on the mat. So I know it's a little of a, you know, kind of got off topic a little bit, but I think it's important to understand that um, there is a brother and sisterhood on the mats. And um, if you want to stay on the mat, you got to be healthy, right? And and that's why I'm so adamant about trying to do my best to deliver quality content for, uh, for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So um, guys, hopefully this gave you some insight on how I do things and where my head's at. But if you have any other questions, um, please reach out. You can always email me at mike at skillofstrength.com and you can uh, hit me up on Instagram at, at Coach Mike Perry, not to be confused with Platinum Mike Perry because that happens quite a bit. Um, and just reach out and ask questions. I will do my best to answer them for you. So guys, I appreciate you listening. Um, have an amazing day and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hey there, it's your host Mike Perry from the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I just wanted to take a few minutes to say thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate your support. If you do like the podcast, do me a huge favor and subscribe, but also share this with your friends, colleagues, and family. Have an awesome day.